Hello and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas and this is our Wednesday show where we niche down to a single topic, think about a question and unpack the rest. Today we're asking who should be raising party rounds? And of course, I'm bringing my favorite party person, hey. Alex Wilhelm. Alex, how are you? Well, I'm also the least party in the, <laughs> in the whole world. But before we get into this very important topic, I actually want to grab the reins and drag us all the way somewhere else. Please. You met someone in San Francisco on Twitter, <laughs> and then I asked who it was, and I got dragged across the internet. So, Natasha, please, for the folks out there, who did you meet, and why the f*** do we care? Because it turns out, <laughs> huge deal. <laughs> it's huge deal. I met Amir Khan, who's like, I mean, most people in India know him, and India is India. So he's like the person I grew up watching. He's like everything, and he was just having a smoothie, and I did a double take, and I think he was like, oh, <laughs> Because he was in a not very diverse part of town. And so I happened to be there. I happened to see him. And I was trying to think of a comparison for people who don't follow Bollywood, which is super fair. But honestly, Brad Pitt is an understatement. It's like Got it. it's like Brad Pitt plus Tom Cruise plus George Clooney. So all the things. W- when I saw this, everybody, it only had like 100 likes or something like that. And so I was like, <laughs> who is this person? You know, thinking it was like. I don't know, some obscure musician or something. And then <laughs> and then now it has like 4,000 likes. So now I understand the scale of the person in question. Oh my God. Because, but I just asked the question and everyone informed me that uh, I'm an uncultured Philistine, which is true. No, <laughs> you have no reason, but my mom is still crying. And it really was a unifying experience with my Twitter followers and my group chats. We're just like <laughs> people freaking the hell out. And I'm still really happy. My most cool person I've ever met before this was the cello player from One Republic. So this is like- One Republic has a cello player? Amazing cello player. As a former cello player myself, I'm I'm pretty like, I was like, you're really good. I forget his name. So that's tough. It's a testament to my maturity that I'm not going to bring up Apocalyptica references right now. If you're into <laughs> cello-based heavy metal covers. Speaking of all this, though, it is a party. It's a good time. But we should talk about party rounds themselves because that is the theme of today's show. Natasha, we are back on a familiar hobby horse. Why is that? I know. I think me and you just love to talk about things going in and out of style and specifically when it comes to like niche venture instruments. Yes. So I'm so happy to be here with you. And the party round conversation was really inspired by a recent story I was working on where I was talking to VSC Ventures, Jacob Kapoor, and he was just like, we're thinking that a lot of founders we're talking to are pretty upset or are staying away from party rounds because when a downturn hits, you don't want there to be a hundred cooks in the kitchen and you don't know who to turn to and no one really cares about what's on fire. They much would rather go with like two or three investors and have like that high signal, high conviction and I'm on speed dial person. Just yeah. maybe want to talk to you about that because it does feel a little bit of an old but maybe new conversation. Yeah, I mean, I was going back through old TechCrunch coverage because I remember this coming up in the 2012, 2013 era, which to be clear is a decade ago. And in venture capital terms, that's a century. So this is quite (laughs) a longer conversation, but it's interesting how much things end up still being pertinent and how the same conversations we had before are now back in style. And so to me, I wonder if the party round conversation is essentially just a statement of where we are in a cyclical business cycle. And when things are more aggressive on the venture capital side, party rounds will have a certain place. And when they're less aggressive, they have a place because there's pros and cons to them that might better match certain economic conditions. Yeah, perfect transition into talking about what a party round really is, because there's so many definitions. And I think Maggie described it perfectly when we were prepping. She kind of asked, like, is this just a bougie equity crowdfunding instrument? And I was like, kind of. Kind it's, of. 
<laughs> it's it's basically I want to hear what you would add, but like I would say a party round is basically like when you are able to bring in like a huge number of investors instead of one, two or three, and they will all take smaller chunks, but they'll be on that cap table and kind of fill it out for you. Usually there's a lead investor. Sometimes they're not, mm. but I would say it goes anywhere from replacing the family and friends around and being like how a D2C company splashes on the scene with many stands of approval to an older company filling out the rest of its round and maybe like a series B. Interesting. I would actually define it ever so slightly differently than that. Let's do it. I would say a party round to be a pure play party round versus something that we might just kind of throw into the bucket. But like when I think about like, like the er case of a party round, it is probably seed through A-ish, probably not mm-hmm. something that happens in the super late stage. And it involves a laundry list of individuals, all of whom are contributing checks that are probably smaller than their usual check size. And no one is really in charge. It's like driving a go-kart via crowdsourcing. Remember the time they played Pokemon on Twitch and everyone had to like <laughs> weigh in in the chat and then that was how they got around? That's a party round. <laughs> it's, okay, but then let me ask, like, do you think a dozen people is a party round or does it have to be like 30, 75, 100? I never know like when it becomes just like a lot of people in a round versus a party. You know? well, <laughs> like, I, I this matters to me too. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just like struggling with this. <laughs> uh, when I was younger, a party was several hundred people. And now in my, I guess, approaching middle 30s, a party is when I have more than two hours alone and no one calls me. So I think the (laughs) definition of of party is flexible. But that's why I think it's the lack of lead that matters. It's everyone showing up, but no one really being in charge. Okay. And in some ways, like that contrasts with what some founders are telling us. So I know one startup, which this is going to be confusing, but there's a startup out there. It's called Party Round and it raised a party round. And we're going to talk about both things in tandem because we love confusing people on this podcast. They raised one and they did have a lead. They had an investor that took 50% of the round. So Gradient led its pre-seed, set the terms, took over 50% of allocation. And then they brought in another 50 different angels and micro funds. And so to me, I was like, I think we're seeing a maturing of the definition of party round in that example, at least. And I'm seeing more of that too. I'm, I'm not just seeing a laundry list with no big single name. All right. So let me let me back this up. Party Round, a company that I've covered, actually. I think I, Yes. I, oh my God. Yeah. I think I covered them um, 18 months ago, somewhere in there. They'd raised a prior round. Party Round is a platform that lets other entrepreneurs put together funding events, essentially helping them raise a bit like AngelList and kind of Carta merged together with some really very fun similar. memes. They're very good at kind of like viral marketing. You've mm-hmm. seen some of their stuff and actually don't know that it's Party Round. Or at least that was me when I was prepping for that call. I was like, oh, you guys were the weird NFTs for investors doohickey thing. Ah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so Party Round, which helps other people raise party rounds, put together a round that wasn't actually a party round despite their name. Yes. Okay. Well, no, sorry. Yes, no. Per your definition, it's not a party round, but per their definition, it is. For them, they believe, and a lot of people are telling me this too, where it's like, no, we're seeing lead investors, which do kind of de-risk one of those biggest critiques. That lead investor still doesn't have the same allocation they may have if there was no, how do I explain this? I got you. So they might take a smaller chunk of the round than they might in a traditional round. Yes. But it's filled out with smaller checks. Um, Okay, let's be entirely clear here. That's too generous because what that is, is just a low conviction lead. Like, I'm sorry. Interesting. So then in Gradient's case, for example, I guess we don't have to even call on Gradient specifically, but they said that they took 50% of that round. If I was a founder, I hear 50%. I would feel like that's enough for me to feel like you care, but that you also maybe like it's in both of our best interests where we can also fill it out with our friends and get like a huge network on our side, especially with a company like Party Round, which would benefit from those names is my take. I want to just like throw a test case at you. Like sure. We talk about party rounds usually in the seed or series A context, earlier <laughs> stage stuff. But by that definition of party round, let's say I raise a series G worth a billion dollars. Yeah. 
and my lead only takes $500 million of it. And then I fill it out with smaller venture capital firms. Is that a party round? No, it's just a big ass series G. Like by definition, party rounds are supposed to be a mixture of people together without core leadership. Like, okay, because I was going to say what you're describing is the reason they had bad signal to begin with, right? Which is like, you couldn't get one person to believe in you. You had to get a ton. And so it is kind of cool to hear that argument play out because that is like what founders have to push against if they want to do this thing where they have the best of both worlds, which is they have yeah. like a kind of lead, but then also a bigger group of people to fill out that round. The example you're giving though, like it is spin and marketing in a way. A lot of venture instruments are. The word oversubscribed and that one's for you, Hunter Walk, if you're listening. The word oversubscribed is is super overused. And so I think that in some ways it does end up even being more than semantics, just like a marketing pitch, which I'm yeah, fine with yeah. it. Well, I mean, like series seed is just saying we would like more money without the metrics required for a series A. But I mean, yeah. we all know what it is. It's a it's a <laughs> shitty, broken fake A. Like, I mean, I don't know. You can call a Chevy Camaro that's red a Ferrari. It still will not be that thing. But you can say that. You can say, well, internally, we describe it as that. And I can say, cool, it's still not. People just don't like it when you push back against their marketing speak. But yeah, it's interesting, Natasha. Do you want to do pros and cons? Sorry. No, I, I want to do pros and cons. The last data point I'll share on what is a party round and the multiple definitions is... The company party round is saying that most of the party rounds that they're seeing today do have lead investors that price the round and the string of founders and advisors that join in to bridge it. And so I do think like that's one data point to show that maybe the definition is changing and there is this little difference in who's a party round. And the, the last defining question I'll throw at you is kind of our core question, which is like, who should be raising? I know it's a little early yeah. to be talking about the core question, but when we see like so many people joining these rounds, like does this feel like something that you'd see the most popular cool kid triple time founder doing or more for the newer founders who are struggling to get that one big check and need to fill it out. Yeah, I think during periods of strong economic activity, I think it's probably a cool kid thing because you can grab all of these high signal, loud people in the technology world. You know, people love to say, oh, the CMO of Slack and the former yes. CFO of Stripe and I don't know, the Sequoia's administrative assistance dog is in the round, whatever, just to throw some names out there, make it sound important. I think in lesser economic conditions, party rounds probably are more scraping together checks, which is fine. Like the best capital that you raise is the capital that you can, right? Yeah. So I don't view that as a negative thing, but I think it just changes with the climate. But a last thing on this definition point, because I think it does matter to me because I'm curmudgeonly. Do you drink martinis, Natasha? I have drank a few in my time. Okay. Were so they far. were they gin or vodka based? Vodka based. Okay, so they weren't actually martinis. Oh, no, <laughs> and like I see myself up to for be that clear, one. <laughs> as a vodka martini fan, before I quit drinking, no one text me. I say that because people always do. <laughs> to be clear, still not drinking, but I used to drink a lot. I I would always argue that you could make a vodka based martini because it was essentially the same substance with a slightly different flavor profile. Yeah, a great one. Someone say. But to me, mixing a lead investor into a party round is oil and water, and so I think that we, we should probably stick to that definition. Otherwise, party round just means. I think I have enough people contributing some small checks that it, it counts as something that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I'll take that. I think it's like actually a perfect transition into a little bit about the pros we see when you take on a party round. And then we can bring back to the cons with oil and water because I don't entirely disagree. But the first pro, obviously, is that 
before, like, especially if we think about like the wave of emerging fund managers out there, like mm. before you had to beat out top tier firms in order to get a name or even one of those logos on your website. Now there's a lot more, I guess, access that could be given in the world where party rounds are more popular and have a more positive or at least neutral signal. So definitely on the investor side, there's a lot of positives for party rounds being a reality. Even if you're not a lead, it supports the spray and pray conversation we had been seeing much more last year. Yeah. I mean, if you're an investor, the pros here are that you can get kind of optionality and to a later round, you might want to actually lead. But yeah, if I'm a big fund and there's a way for me to efficiently put 50K checks into a bunch of pre-seed and seed stage startups that I might want to lead an A for, yeah. great. And if those party rounds let me in, cool. To me, the founder positives are, are even more interesting because if you're a founder, one thing we've seen is investors talking about value add for so long and so forth. Some focus on PR or marketing or hiring or branding or international expansion or whatever. Um, get a bunch of that stuff around, you know, surround yourself with experts in areas where you're going to need to ask and answer questions. That to me makes a lot of sense, especially if you're less experienced and you've never done X or Y in the startup journey. Having more folks theoretically, at least in your corner, sounds great. Totally. I think so much of investing and just like the world of tech, like it operates operates on confidence and manifesting. And when you can get people who, even if they're not the person who's going to answer your text messages at like 3 a.m. asking for help or asking how to handle a layoff, if they can help you retweet or honestly like market your company, depending on what sector you're in, I imagine that makes a huge difference. Like that sort of like distribution is really yeah. like, I think is what you get if you raise a party around as a journalist, when I see a bunch of names, I know, and I think people know that that's not like they're all there with you in a group chat all the time. But also it's like, okay, like if you're a Discord competitor and you got the founder of Discord to invest in your startup, I'm like, oh, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Or if you're building on top of Discord and you get the Discord founder to invest right. in your company, I know who you're selling to. Exactly. It's not the customer. You're selling the Discord. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> totally. I mean, I remember there was like a Zoom competitor and like Zoom invested and then Zoom's first three investors invested. And I was like, I mean, you just, you killed it with your fundraise because of course that's right. like conviction on conviction on conviction. And that was obviously Zoom at its height. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Zoom's still worth tens of billions yes, of yes, dollars. It's no longer worth, I think it was hundreds of billions of dollars at one point in time because the stock market has changed its mind. Just a little bit. So the last pro that I can think of is essentially just bragging rights. And you might want to be able to use people's names as a lever to get into conversations, but I'm not sure how strong of a point that is really in the favor of party round. But it was just one more thing I had bouncing around the back of my head when I was prepping for this particular chat. I think a little bit about going back to who, if you are a newer founder and you are able to get people on your team, unfortunately, through giving up equity, the idea deal that you get in return is help for your series A and B. And then like that those relationships augment over time. But I just think about how long it takes to build relationships in this world. And unfortunately, a lot of times it does come down to money. And so, yeah, I totally see. It's kind of like the bragging rights can take you to getting an investor one day. And like, that's probably like the biggest upside, right? Is like you get the introduction that changes your business through giving a bit of your company up. Yeah. And let's be clear, founders are often relatively savvy when it comes to storytelling and leveraging relationships and maybe making them seem slightly stronger than they are. And <laughs> that's fine. I mean, that's part of like the hustly early stage bit of creating magic where there was previously void. And I'm, I'm totally here for that. But it's the cons of this that have always captivated me. Yeah. Are there any newer cons than the ones we've talked about, which is like, you don't know who to go to? It's not that. I think that the changing economic climate has caused people a little bit to retract their tendrils and feelers and focus a little bit more on their core. Mm -hmm. And so going back to the earliest thing you brought up, I think it was Jake Poor from the VSC and uh, having there be a hundred cooks in the kitchen. That's less of a concern to me than having zero. And if you only have small checks from a lot of folks and they're going to divide their attention based on where they had the most 
skin in sure. the game, the most exposure. And if that's not you, you're going to look around the kitchen and ask for help with completing the analogy, how to make a better broth or whatever. And you're going to be alone because you're no one's top priority. Yeah. So in an upmarket, when you're not concerned about that or issues or layoffs at 3am or fundraising, it can probably seem super sweet to get so much help and, you know, just social media traction and so forth to drive more attention. But on the flip, you know, if no one's really arm and a leg in the company, they're probably just not going to be around period. Yeah. It's actually a really good time to talk about ownership here. Cause that's what I'm a little confused about. We already know that ownership was really low for newer firms or even for like older firms. I know one VC was telling me that they used to target 10. Now they're targeting 5% ownership during seed rounds. With a party round, are people like sub 1%? I would love to like spend a minute on the math and I can either give an example or if we can just talk through it. Well, I, I talk to people who are joining companies who are my friends. And so we talk about this occasionally, but here's a data point. I think when I joined Crunchbase, my equity was worth 0.25% okay. of the company pre-series B. If I recall, I, I could probably go back and check that somewhere. And that, of course, got diluted as time went on. Yeah. So when we talk about owning a percent of a company, it's non-immaterial. It's not quite material, but it's not nothing. And so yeah. 1% is quite a lot more than any individual employee that's hired after like the first 15 is going to get. So it, it's, it's a sizable chunk. The problem is if you measure it in human terms, like Natasha and Alex's perspective, it sounds like a lot. But if you're an investor, yeah. it may be 1% of that company and 0.001% of your portfolio, at which point it doesn't actually matter. And so the ownership can be effectively de minimis, even if in kind of like, you know, buying a car, buying a house terms, it can be material. Yeah, yeah, that's so real. I think kind of what you alluded to, a lot of investors right now are probably going to be triaging and picking the companies that they want to double down in or can mostly afford to double down in. And I was just DMing with Packy McCormick before this, and he's one of those people that I always see jumping on and being part of pretty cool party rounds. And so yes. I DM'd him and I was like, hey, can we talk about this thing that you do all the time? And he was saying like, he expects us to be seeing fewer rounds coming up with like the normal big names. And instead he, for example, is planning to do uh, bigger checks in fewer companies. So again, like the really classic return to focus form. Right. And especially when you're not just trying to prove yourself and you're not just like a V1 version of your fund, you can get founders to give you a bigger percent. You no longer are just the person that they want for a party round. Not that that's like a bad thing, but at some point, unless I'm wrong, and then I'll be super curious to hear, like, I'm sure the end goal for investors is not just to be a party round participant, right? Like that can't just be someone's no, entire game. No one aspires to be a party round or unless they have so little capital and they're just sponging off their friends to get allocation into deals they otherwise couldn't get their hands on. If you're a serious investor with a serious capital base and a serious shot, no. Yeah. Because you want to be what you want to do is be the lead check into the next Facebook and then double down across every single possible round that you can to maximize your outcome and then retire and then kick people off your private beach. But no, Kosla. <laughs> We're never gonna let that one go. No. Until I until I die. I'll be part of that. But here's the thing that I'm chewing on. And we've done what I might say is the conventional wisdom so far. Party mm -hmm. rounds have some pros, party rounds have some cons, economic conditions matter. Huzzah. Here's the thing. How good is having an investor in your corner, quote, quote, if they're not willing to pony up and keep you safe. So to me, the whole, like, you want someone in your corner for your 3 a.m. layoffs yeah. or, you know, if you need another check, investors will cut you loose yeah. if you're not performing. And so it's almost like this pro is only a pro for companies who probably could have raised more money anyways. So is it really a seatbelt? Ooh, that's a really good point. I think that is a little bit of like the reality check and we take the marketing away. Like totally. It's very much like party round is something that you should do 
if kind of like how equity crowdfunding still has a reputation where you only do it if you can't do regular equity and regular equity raise. Party rounds are something that people should be able to do if they have like the, it's like a nice to have versus a need to have is what I want to say. But when I use that framing, it's like I'm thinking like if it is really like a band-aid or a crutch or the only way you can fill out your round, that could be an issue. That could be like something that shows that you're unable. I think there's like a probably smaller percentage of founders out there that are raising party rounds because they're like, this is like the smartest thing to do for my business, right? I can't imagine that everyone who's raising a party round is doing so because they want a ton of people on their cap table. That's a lot of opinions and politics to deal with. Yeah, I mean, think about your investor updates. You're going to email like 38 people, all of whom are going to have an idea about what you should do because they talked to Bob last week. Yeah. On the flip side, if you do know that what you're building is going to explode and do incredibly well, and you do want to have the most bids for your next, round doing a party round seed so that way you can essentially run your own kind of like duel to the death for your series A for your already selected pool of investors. That's pretty cool. But it's very hard from the outside to know who is raising a party round out of essentially no yeah. other options versus who might be doing that as a way to uh, essentially arbitrage their series A valuation. Yeah, it's like either like a super savvy move to be proactive or it's like, well, crap, I need something here today. No. And I think it, this like one technical thing that I want to bring up has kind of been disruptive to party rounds is Angelus roll up vehicle RUV feature, which basically like it lets you have up to a hundred investors, I believe on one line on your cap table versus all of them taking up different space. Oh, right. This Less is like the burden. orange Dow thing when they had the group and then they only had a couple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. like, it's kind of niche, but, but not at all in some ways because it does help founders who have limited resources raise from a party round and have it be a lot easier to manage at least technically on right. their cap table. And like, to me, like that is probably like when you're in a moment and you need, like you're choosing whether or not anything you can do to lower the barrier to party rounds probably would help. So I thought it was smart for them to do that. And I didn't get the chance to talk to them before the episode, but I will after on how party round creation has looked internally because they're working with mostly the earliest stages. So if we end up taking my definition of party round as the right one, and we don't have to, it's just my take, <laughs> but then we could actually just call the other ones packy rounds. Oh no. <laughs> right? If you have like a, like a quasi lead or a weak lead followed by a bunch of friends, call it a packy round. If you have no lead in many people, party round. Okay, perfect. This is how you make bad ideas large. You just make them up on the show. Not boring ideas. And if you get that joke, oh, you read no. way too much. Tech yeah, news. get off Twitter if you get that joke. <laughs> get, get, get us, get some new friends. <laughs> learn a sport. <laughs> but Natasha, you and I were talking about extension rounds a while back. I'm just thinking about like the back and forth of this because to me, party rounds are something that we see often when there's a ton of people making angel bets. Yeah, right? it's easier to stack up 50 angel checks if there's 50,000 angels versus if there's 1,000. And so I wonder if there's like an economic conditions leading to party rounds becoming positive and popular when things are good and then extension rounds on the other side. So it's almost like a, like a seesaw totally. between the two. Totally. It's one of those things where it's like, I guess like founders know this because they're hearing it from investors or they're hearing it from like all the back channels that they're probably in. But if you're tuning in and like it used to be like extension rounds and you could only get existing investors to sign on, it's like, why could you not convince anyone new on your vision? That's kind of sus. Now that's like, oh my God, like you got your investors to double down on you during right. a market downturn. And then party rounds, I think right now where it seems like they are is like they're a little bit more focused and maybe a little bit going towards a less buzzier place. So we might not see like the whole laundry list, even if they're happening. We might just see like 
a few here and there depending on the company. I think the flip-flop of things being cool or not cool can be super confusing for founders. And it's just like a good reminder that market aside, mm. there's no definite here. Like party rounds cannot be good or bad. Extension rounds cannot be good or bad. It definitely the, comes yeah. from your company. There's no absolutes. No. I think that's a really great way of putting it. And I think the issue is we always want to draw these definite boundaries and have hard, hard definitions and like rigid understandings. But I think you're right that there's no... A hundred percent here. And for that reason, I'm never going to look at a party round and immediately dismiss it. Yeah. Just as I won't look at a round with a new series, a new lead or a repeated lead and presume to know the whole story. Every company is different and every company is, is worth getting to know at least as best you can. But I'm glad we're talking about this because I think our job essentially is to just kind of watch things go up and down or back and forth over time and try to help people understand where we are today yeah. and what definitions probably mean in this moment more than in perpetuity. 100%. Just like questioning your definitions and unlearning a little bit of like what things are cool or not cool like is just a healthy thing we should all be doing and we try to do on Wednesday and Friday and Monday all the time. And why did I say those days in that order is my question. I, I, that was a mystery to me. <laughs> I want to go back to the top of the show. You were talking about the, the most famous people you've met. And this actually came up to me for, uh, for me recently. I met Matt Smith, the former Doctor Who, um, once at a Microsoft Surface event. I think it may what? have been in, in Russia. What? Alex used to cover Microsoft for people who somehow missed that. He was like the Microsoft reporter. Yeah, I was a beat reporter on the Microsoft beat for a long time. Um, and now he's like the bad guy in the new Game of Thrones thing. No way. Wait, what? That's Matt Smith. No he's way. The, he's the, yeah. the, the crappy brother. Oh my God. I love that yeah. character. And, and he's trying to be this like, you know, like bad guy. Really? And I'm like, I remember when we were in a conference room and you called the Microsoft Surface the rectangle one. Oh my God. And I struggled. I struggled to get into the mode, you know, because I just, I, I happened to have met him. So. That's so funny. Okay. Well, I'm actually going to take that. And I guess he was famous when you met him, but somehow bringing yeah. that back to party rounds, you never know <laughs> who's going to be hired to be in the next Game of Thrones related show. You never know if like that small allocation you're sharing for that party round is going to be like the next Sequoia. So be nice to the intern, be nice to the smaller yeah, techs I, and vice versa. I so wanted to make fun of that, but then I realized another HBO show called Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I think some TC people got to consult on the first season of that show. Yeah. Uh, I was not invited. <laughs> but like, yeah, I guess you can end up on television or uh, leading the party around. You never know. As much as you can. You never wow. know. It's a weird one. Life is long. Life is long. <laughs> Alex, always a party to hang out with you. <laughs> we will. It's all... always around to hang out with you. I don't know. It <laughs> doesn't work. All right. Well, I wish I had another pun to end it off. So we'd have three, but I think that's just a wrap for the show. Um, everyone else, we will chat with you on, I think we have a live show this Thursday, correct? We do. Yeah. Live show Thursday. If you want details, twitter.com slash equity pod, we'll have it up there. We're on Twitter spaces when we do it. So if you want to just tune in, just follow us on Twitter and uh, tap in. It's so fun. We have a good time. There's shout outs. There's no, no giveaways, but maybe one day. Um, and everyone else, we will chat on Friday. Bye. 